It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. The other interesting thing about the East, though, is is Toronto and their pickups. I mean, if we were to take a look at all those players and go back and, and meld them together a few years ago, you're talking about an unstoppable team. They have some amazing pickups. You are listening live to Quick Kicks, a presentation of Third Down Gamble. Welcome, everyone, and tonight on the podcast, Heath and I welcome Andrew of the Turf District, and Andrew, it's great to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, awesome to be back, and hey, I got my wish. The next time I'm on, we can actually talk about football and guys on a field, and that's pretty exciting. Yeah, we haven't chatted for a while. I don't think the Elks were named last time you and I had a conversation, so no. uh, great, great to catch up. Yeah, it's uh, I was that's what I was just gonna say. The last time when we had the name announcement, I just talked to Don. So I, yeah, I haven't chatted with you in a while, Heath. I've heard you lots, but uh, haven't had a chance to chat with you. We've been busy, and like you said, it's great to be talking about a an upcoming season here instead of just the what ifs. Exactly. Yes, that's exciting for all of us, isn't it? The uh, the CFL season that is just a few weeks away. Yeah, isn't that? Isn't that crazy? I saw something today. It's like 27 days and 27 is my favorite number. And I'm like, yeah, this is the time. We're almost there. It's exciting. We're going to be uh, soon watching these guys on the field and watching them run around and finding our new favorites. And and uh, I think there's, there's going to be so many opportunities for new favorites this year because uh, you're going to have some of those new, you know, two draft classes and a whole bunch of new guys coming in. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. As we record this, camp's officially open tomorrow, and uh, looking at all of the official camp rosters, there's a lot of names on there to sort through, so I think that there's going to be some cuts coming pretty quick. Um, like I said on, on a podcast here recently, if you're not coming into camp ready to go, you might not have a chance to make some of these teams. I think it's going to be interesting because, of course, uh, tomorrow starts with the medicals and the the, the initial things. And uh, somebody was asking me today, do you think you're going to see some drop-offs right from medicals? And I'm like, we might, because after a year and a half long break, uh, some guys are going to be rip rare and to go, and some may not be. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that, there might be some guys too he, that will go through the medical process and then go, oh, forget this. <laughs> like this is, uh, although... I would think at this point, if you've had, if you've been up here and you've been quarantining for this long and following all those rules, you're you're pushing pretty hard to make sure you're at least hitting the field for a, a short amount of time. Now you mentioned Rip Raren and how appropriate that is, given what happened in Regina. Four now I players. I promise I did not mean that, uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, wasn't uh, like, that's crazy to me. And and the thing is, is that, and I said this on Twitter, like one, it's horrible. Don't get me wrong, but you're like, okay, it, it can happen. But four, all with the same injury and basically out for the season and two of them being basic lined up to be starters. That is uh, just a scary thing. I think a lot of other teams are looking at that and going, Okay, so Sunday is like stretch day, and then we'll start actually pushing it because uh, there, some guys are there. We don't want that happening on every team, that's for sure. I was surprised to see it was all the same injury. I mean, I saw four guys injured, and I thought, okay, well, first day back, and if you're not quite ready to go, things can happen. But then you get reading that it's four Achilles injuries to the same team, 
And you're you're right, 100%. I think maybe a lot of the other teams are going to be easing into some of the physical drills that they'll be uh, they'll be putting on the field here in the next couple of days. Oh, I'd have to think so because I, I, it'd be one thing if it was like there's an Achilles and then somebody hurts a shoulder and somebody hurts a knee and you kind of think, but yeah, four, all of them being Achilles, like that's yeah, the, that that's the warning shot to every other team, and unfortunately, one team had to take it for everybody else. I think I can't count four Achilles injuries in a season ever. And to have four, yeah, that's huge. And of course, a lot of people are asking, what were all these players doing together prior to camp? And especially at the stadium. Yeah, that is definitely a question. And so now they've got to figure out, was that, you know, okay or not. And, uh, I mean, I, James Wilder posted a picture today. He was at the stadium. Um, I don't know if it was like a sanctioned workout or anything, but I know he was there. So, um, they, they have to have some access to be able to move around, I guess, especially if they've gotten through their quarantine, but yeah, it's kind of scary to have all that going on in, in one shot. That is for sure. And like you said, Larry Dean, man, that's that's a big loss. A, a big loss for CFL in general because he's just exciting to watch no matter what team he's on. And, I, you know, the, the one thing that I'll kind of carry with me, though, is uh, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was 2017 when uh, J.C. Sherritt tore his Achilles. And I believe that was in game two or three. And he was basically ready to play the next playoff game if the team had gotten through to that. So being that it's not, they haven't even started games yet. Now, granted, it's a shorter season, but you could actually see if these, with these guys pushing and the way that the surgeries and all these types of things have come around for Achilles, you might see them at the end of the season and into the playoffs. And and that could be a big push at the end of the year. It could be, but what's the risk factor of somebody coming back for a November 27th playoff game somewhere in the prairies that's fair <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair well they could slip that's the yeah, the, yeah exactly you lose a, a first round draft pick and you lose your rush and freddie bishop i mean good grief the riders have just got to wonder if they're snake bitten already unlike year. you said about larry dean i mean he was coming in to fill a spot that was vacated by some pretty high caliber linebackers in the past so a lot of expectation on him and to see him go down before the the camp even opens is, is pretty devastating too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't want to see this happen to any team. And to have four on one day prior to camp, it's just unfathomable. I just don't understand. But anyway, let's move on from that because we could <laughs> circle that wagon forever <laughs> and um, never come up with an answer that makes sense because it's just, it's just, it defies logic. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's... Yeah, out of this world, four in one day, same injury. Never heard of that before. The big story this week is that the CFL and the XFL have broken off talks. And I really want to dive uh, deep into that tonight because I kind of think that that's been an ongoing story that's sort of consumed a lot of our attention and a lot of our energy. And now that there seems to be this release, I want to get your reactions to when you heard the news, what did you think? I got to admit, I felt relief. Part of that was I didn't put a lot of energy into it in the first place because I, I really couldn't get around the, well, we're talking about talking. Okay, well, I could sit here and predict stuff till the end of the world, but 
why would I do that and get angry over something that I don't know what you're actually talking about? And uh, so I, I didn't really put that much energy in. But when when the, the announcement came, it was like, okay, now we can just move on. And it was the same thing with um, the, the name change with the Edmonton team, right? Once they announced the name and the logo and all that, it was just like, okay, now can we just get back to talking about the sport that we love and the the game on the field and let's not have to worry about that other stuff for a while. And, and the constant, even, even the battles that were happening online where some people were, you know, taking it way too far. It's like, okay, we, we just need to, let's get away from that. And let's, let's talk about the game. We all talked about the leagues talking about talking for so many weeks that we all had as many, speculations as to what they were talking about as anybody else and I have to again say how wonderful of a job they did with their non-disclosure agreements because even now there's very little information coming out about what those negotiations looked like and my biggest takeaway initially was that maybe the single game betting revenue streams that we've been talking about here are going to be something that's going to really help the CFL stand on their own two feet and that could be part of why they felt it was okay to, to step away from these negotiations. Um, I guess my, my biggest hope is that they will continue even to communicate, not necessarily to work on a partnership agreement per se or a merger or anything like that, but at least I think they both learned a lot from each other. And my, my best guess is that the CFL learned a lot about um, engaging new and younger fans using social media and all those sorts of things that Dwayne Johnson is an absolute pro at. And I hope the XFL, if they're committed to launching a league in 2023, that they've learned a bit more about how to manage a smaller league that doesn't have the big pop that the NFL does and that they can build some success from that as well. I, I, was, I can totally agree with what you're saying there, Heath. I'm hoping that they at least learn from one another. I, I do think that the CFL could learn quite a bit as far as marketing is concerned. They could learn how do we get this game to a younger generation, and, and the XFL was good at that. The XFL could learn that, you know what, one of the reasons that the CFL does so well is access both fans to fans and fans to players. And maybe there's something that they could learn there to to launch that to get a little more longevity as far as people wanting to, you know, hang out together because we call it the CFL family for a reason. And uh, I think that that's uh, a lot of leagues would look at that and go, geez, I wish we had that. Well, what do you think ultimately was at stake? Were they going in their minds, at least to places that they never got to at the negotiation table? I think everything was on the table. Like I said, you know, I think they were going for everything from joint marketing agreements to what an, a complete merger or takeover looked like um, you know the the health of both leagues if you wanted to look at it at when they started these negotiations was pretty dire the xfl was sold the, an entire league for 15 million dollars the cfl had a, a league that couldn't get games going for an entire year and were uncertain about the next year so certainly it was all out there um, and, I, and i'm sure there was ideas that didn't even make it to the table, like you said, um, that people were maybe a little bit afraid early on to even put out there as an option. But, uh, but yeah, I think there was, there was nothing that wasn't thought of 
um, throughout this whole uh, this whole negotiation. Yeah, I think they. I agree with you. I think they did have everything on the table, all the way from how do we bring all the teams together to um, how do we share players. Uh, one of the ones that I had heard that was kind of interesting to me, just for the mere moments that I thought about it, but was uh, you know sharing a TV deal and being able to have a longer TV deal that, you know, it would start in XFL, then go to CFL and, and kind of combine in a couple of different spots. And I thought, you know what, I, I could totally wrap my head around that. But again, because, and Heath, you said this already, but they really did a good job with buckling down those NDAs and they really did a good job of following them. And so I think all we can say is that, yeah, everything was on the table but they just couldn't get to a spot where it actually made sense for both spots. What about the fans now? Let's start with the CFL. What do you think generally fans are feeling a few days after this announcement? I think CFL fans right now are only excited about the season coming back. The guys getting on the field, we're actually going to see our game again. I don't think that there's, uh, now there may be some CFL fans that are thinking, okay, well, what's the longevity of the league? Because we're a little worried after last year. But I think like you said, Heath, the, you know, the new bill coming out and, and the single game betting, maybe there's some hope there to say, okay, not only are we getting the guys back, but we might see this actually as a healthier league by the end of 2021. What I don't want to see is gloating back and forth between the two. I, I don't like the I told you so's. I think we're all realistic in, in that we know that the the CFL was in a dire situation. Mm-hmm. I think the announcements over the last couple of weeks and, and getting camps opening and stuff has created so much excitement. And those of us that have loved the CFL for a long time are nothing but excited about this, this forthcoming season. And I certainly throughout this whole process got to see some of the online presence of XFL fans through Twitter and through some of the engagements through our podcasts and that sort of thing as well. And everybody that I have interacted with or seen have been fantastic. And at the end of the day, we're all football fans. And I think the biggest takeaway for both of these leagues to be successful is not going into it, hoping that you're going to be NFL caliber as far as ratings, as far as money generation and really embrace what you are that makes you different from that. And I think there's a lot of connections that have been made between XFL fans and CFL fans. And maybe that will help the XFL grow their fandom into more of a family like we have come to be in the CFL. That's a good point. And, uh, I, and, and I think we've all seen both, both extremes. The really nice and the, you know, I'm just stirring up trouble people in both uh, families, right? Both football families. And, uh, so I, I agree with you finding out some of these other guys that are XFL fans. I'm like, okay, but you're still a football fan and we can still have a reasonable conversation has been kind of a nice benefit. It certainly made me more interested in the XFL. You know, I, I can't say I really watched the last iteration. I think I saw probably five minutes of, of one game in the five weeks that they played. Um, now I think I'll be more interested when they do get back on the field having made some of these connections. And and I certainly hope that it's opened the eyes of the, the American football fans even more to the CFL as a product. And maybe more people will be willing to give us a look um, on ESPN2 or wherever they happen to be having CFL games broadcast. 
That's a good point. I haven't even I hadn't even thought of that. I I did kind of I, I didn't want to say religiously, but I did follow the last iteration of the XFL a little bit closer because uh, I really liked the Battle Hawks and because you know Dexter McCoyle was playing there and I you know so I had a connection and so uh, but you're right now I might want to watch a bit more because now I have other people that I can actually talk about. Talk, talk about it with right and uh, that's part of the reason we we love the CFL so much is we have all these people that we can I can go in any city and meet guys and talk football and so that's kind of a nice way to drag that in that the talks didn't come to any sort of agreement does that mean that the time invested was a waste no I don't think so I don't think so. I think you you have to, in any business, you have to be able to have the conversation to say, is this going to be better for you? Now, the answer might be no, but you have to have the conversation because if you don't have that, then you're not trying to grow your business. And so uh, I don't think there was ever a waste. And, and we just listed off at least four reasons that it's good for fans and, and good for each of the leagues to have a little bit of that exposure. And it certainly got people in Canada talking about the CFL, good and bad, but it was, yes. it was making it um, important in the sports media field during a time when there wasn't really much happening as far as the, the league itself goes. It wasn't, there wasn't the draft going on. There wasn't a camp. There wasn't games. There wasn't a name of the Edmonton Elks announced yet when all of this started to happen. And all, and suddenly you've got, you know, Dave Naylor and Farhan Lalji on TSN every day talking about the CFL and what this could mean. So it's one of those any publicity is good publicity situations, I think. And, and it's created more buzz in Canada for the league. Do you think that there might be a little bit of spinoff from that, too, where some of the people who were really kind of anti-merger um, are now realizing how much they actually have to dedicate to the game that they love. And if you really love the Canadian game and you really want the Canadian game to stay the way it is, then you got to get out and support it. And uh, I think I think Tim McAuliffe actually said that. Um, and so I, I don't want to seem like I'm ripping him off. But really, when it comes down to it, if if you're really that adamant that it needs to stay the way it is, then you better get out and support it um, like the rest of us are doing. Yeah, there were a lot of people saying that if there was a merger, they were never going to go to another CFL game again. They weren't going to renew season tickets, et cetera, et cetera. So you're right. And and Tim was right. Now is the time to put up and uh, put your money where your mouth is and get out there and support the CFL. Absolutely. The ownership groups on each side are not dispassionate. Anytime you enter into a relationship, you're investing of yourself. Now that this has gone this route, do you think that there's some maybe pent up animosity over this, that maybe the two leagues now are a little bit more suspicious of each other. I certainly don't think so. I think it's probably brought them together for the common goal of professional football in North America. Um, there might be some animosity if there were certain parts of the ownership group that wanted certain things to happen. And, and one of those rumors that was buzzing around was that MLSE was really not that interested in owning the Argos and, and it was a bit of a an afterthought as far as that whole organization goes. If there's merit to that, they might be disappointed that it wasn't an opportunity to offload the Argos. But I think in general, um, you know, that everybody's got this this common, we want to develop more foot, football beyond just what the NFL does. 
And if we've got two leagues that can do it and respect each other's space, then it's a success. Yeah, I, I don't know that there'd be a whole lot of animosity if you're going into talks with very open minds together. Um, you can leave with very open minds. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden we have to be enemies just because we couldn't make a deal. It might mean that, you know what, let's keep that in our back pocket and, you know, three years down the road, may maybe that sharing players thing is a good idea. But, you know, at least they've had the discussion and I don't think it means that one side is needs to be evil to the other. Everybody so far is saying the right things coming out of this, right? They're, yes. It, it seems like an amicable split at this point. And if that is indeed the situation, then you're right. There are opportunities, I think, down the road to continue to talk and to continue to learn from each other and build certain things. Like you said, if, it, if it's player sharing, if it's a longer TV deal, that sort of thing, then it can benefit both leagues. Absolutely. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. The Elks Football Club put out a statement that they were pleased by Wednesday's announcement, but that discussions have ended. And the Elks remain fully committed to the CFL and our treasured brand of football, as I quote. My question is, who was that message for? Ooh, interesting question. Um, I I think it's it was probably aimed at, at our fans. I mean, right now the the Elks are doing everything they can to get that stadium back to full, right? So you already have a, a group of people. Um, so let's just put this out there. We have a bunch of people that really enjoy the past name of the team and aren't prepared to go towards another name. And part of that is, is the tradition, right? So did that statement not just say, what about all the tradition of the... So, you know, there, there's a little bit of a, a thing there. Um, but but I do think that... Uh, I don't think it was, an, it was a shot at anybody. I think it was truly what I was saying at the beginning. Okay, let's stop having to worry about this all the time. Let's talk about our people on the field. Let's get back to playing the games and let's be excited about that. I, th I think that's really what the, the heart of it was. Yeah, I agree. It was aimed directly at the people that I just mentioned who throughout this process were moaning about how if there was a merger, they were never going to go to another game. They were never going to support a CFL team. So I, I think that message, and not just to Elks fans, but I think that message is to CFL, CFL fans across the country that we're back to our traditional Canadian league and the the, the uh, everything that comes with it and it's time for the fans to get that passion back and appreciate everything that the CFL has been and continues to be. Absolutely and I think um, the one thing and and this was of course rumor but I I do think that the it seemed to me that the three community-owned teams were the ones that were the least excited about any type of uh, a long-term merger or anything like that, because 
they have their own culture, they have their own way to run, and it's it's that community owned. And uh, we, you know, if the, if you're going to go into that other model where you might have a single owner or something like that, uh, they would be the ones that are like, well, that's not the the greatest for us. So there there could be something to that as well. Um, but I'm I'm going to choose that it's okay. Put your money where your mouth is. Let's support the CFL. Is there a fracture within the CFL? I'm a fan of the Rough Riders, Heath of the Blue Bombers, you of the Elks. They're the three community-owned teams. They, as you indicated, have a different model by which they operate. The six private owners don't see the universe the exact same way. How do these two sides reconcile? Well, I don't even know if it's a matter of two sides. It's a matter of nine sides. And... One of the things that, I mean, I've said this for many, many, many years is that it's it's nine teams that play together in a league. It's not a league that has nine teams. And I would really like to see a little more... Um, there's some teams that definitely cooperate with each other and, 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 you know, kind of look at the bigger picture for the long-term future of the league. But uh, a lot of the teams, it's... It, well, if it's not good for us, well, then... No, we can't do it. Whereas it may be the best thing for the league, right? Or at least I get that. I shouldn't say that is what happens. That is the perception that I get is that a lot of times you have nine different people uh, or entities all with their own agenda. And uh, you see your commissioner who is caught between nine different (laughs) opinions and somehow has to put out a unified uh, front. It's not, not an easy spot to do. No, and CFL history has taught us that the owners, regardless of their differences, can get along and, and get something going. So when the American expansion was was first being bandied about, the one team that voted no was Cal Murphy and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Right. They didn't pack up their helmets and go home. They, Despite the fact that they were not fans of that expansion, they continued to, to play. They went down to the, to the American teams and got Oh Christmas Tree sung to them in Vegas and and, and moved on. Um, so I, I think this is a similar situation. The only difference is I think there's a lot more money being tossed around now than there was at that point in time. And it's a matter of what the private owner's comfort level is. And and it's very possible that, uh, that some of the owners were hoping to unload CFL franchises and get a financial gain in a partnership and that's probably what they need to kind of mend the fences on but if they're looking at revenue sharing and if they're looking at more lottery revenue it can help all of those teams I think alleviate some of those concerns. Would it not be amazing if we were actually talking about revenue sharing? Like I don't know I and I know that there are reasons to not do it. I understand that. But when you're when you're in this state, you would just think that the revenue sharing would help every team and, and they could all kind of get on the same page a little faster. And that, that but I, I could be totally off on way off base on that because I don't know that much about it. But I would just like to see 
every team be secure and not have three or four that are doing really well and three or four that are really not doing well and the rest kind of in the middle. And not having the league have to bail out a team or not having a, an owner have to buy a second team to keep it afloat and all of the things that we have seen over the years, for sure. Yeah, and no, no two teams with the same name, you know, all those things. Like, like let's let's get past that. Let's, let's work together and make it, make it go. The elephant in the room are the Toronto Argonauts. MLSE. From every source that I could find, they were the ones really behind this whole idea. Where are they now in this universe? We, they put out a statement saying they're excited about the 2021 season, but behind the scenes, what is MLSE thinking about what they're going to do with the Argonaut? I uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't even wager a guess. I I would say right now that they're pretty ready to put a bunch of all stars on a team and see what happens. Like I would say they're they're pretty prepared to do that. So it's not like the support isn't there when you see all the guys that they're signing. Like and they're gonna have to cut a big name somewhere down that road because they've got a lot of big names. <laughs> so I would say that they were try they're gonna support what's going on there. Now we'll see what happens over the, you know, the next few years, but, um, you know, winning can cure a lot. And if they can put the right team out there, they can start winning things and maybe it changes things out in Toronto. I hope that pinball Clemens has some influence on MLSE because I, I don't know if there's anybody in certainly in Eastern Canada, more passionate about the CFL than pinball Clemens. I agree. He, if you want to talk tradition, he was part of those, the uh, incredible 91 Argos team with John Candy and Wayne Gretzky and all of that involvement. And he just is such a highly respected and well-spoken ambassador for the league and the Argos. And if there's anybody that can convince MLSE why the Argos are important, it's him. I just hope he has the right ear that he can bend to convince them of that. Already there's speculation coming out of the the United States, that the XFL might land a team in Toronto or maybe scoop up the Argonauts. Is that anything to think about, worry about? Well, they're not going to be on the field for another year or two, at least at this point. So it's nothing we have to worry about that quickly. Um, I can't imagine the Argos just outright joining that league. Something to look at, though, would be what does the XFL schedule run and can... Toronto support another franchise and that's something that might be possible I don't know what the XFL's business model is going to be like um, as far as as franchises ticket prices all that kind of thing it's certainly a big enough market to to draw sports fans out to to various things granted the Argos are the one that struggles the most right now but um, we'll see where that kind of next couple of years takes us but I, I don't think that um that the Argos are going to jump to a different league. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. And I know I was listening to your interview with Paul Woods and how he was saying that it's it's not just a, you know, a three to five year fix. It's an eight to 10 year fix because of all of the time that we kind of missed maybe one, possibly two generations just with the uh, the lack of marketing and that type of thing in, in a city where you've had some other teams that have done really well um, and again, had some really good teams out on the field. So, um, you know, you want to look at that eight to 10 year range from when MLSE took over, which I think this is year five or six, five, I think it's five. Um, 
And so if you're looking at another, now will MLSE just eat that for another <laughs> four years? Who knows? But uh, I mean, again, if you look at what they're trying to put out on the field and they're trying to bring back a lot of guys that are from the area so that they can start kind of generating that local talk, I think they're doing the right things to try and move it in the right direction. So I, I wouldn't be too panicked about a, a, a jump ship at this moment. Sometimes you have to hit a wall before you know the wall is there. The CFL with the pandemic in 2020, I think, hit that wall. If there are lessons to be learned, what are the key ingredients for the CFL to become, as you indicated before, a nine-strong league? Well, I think we can all safely say that they not only found the wall, they realized it was brick. And, uh, you know, you can you can only break through the brick wall <laughs> so often. And uh, they, they keep finding ways. I'll, I'll give them that. But uh, it's, it's time to start having these other things. The, having the discussions with the XFL was one thing. But now we know that Bill, is it C-128? Is that what it is? 218. 218. I knew there was those three numbers, but I see how good I am at that. Yeah. 218. Uh, maybe they started looking at that and going, oh, this is out early enough. We can make a plan. We can actually start building off of this. They got to start finding these other sources of revenue. They got to find other ways to... They know the, the business plan is okay, but it needs to be better. It can't just be based on butts and seats forever. And uh, that's just not the way that this next generation acts. <laughs> they, it's streaming, it's, uh, it's hanging out around the game, it's all those things. So I think this is kind of a, a good wake-up call to start working on those things, and, and hopefully that bill will help. Um, but I also think that I, and now we, we keep hearing it and we've already talked about it. Maybe the conversation of revenue sharing starts to become a little more uh, something that they can actually talk about. And uh, maybe they're because we're so close to having another uh, extinction. Maybe let's find out if we can share together. They hopefully have learned some of the, the lessons in how to attract more eyeballs to the game. Uh, the single game betting is going to help generate a lot of interest amongst football fans that like to gamble on or sports fans in general that like to gamble on things it's going to give them more opportunity and as i said earlier in the in the show i hope that one of the things that dwayne johnson brought to them was some of the social media savvy i believe he had 300 million followers on some of his social media it's it's an incredible amount of people so if he is, has has taught them anything in how to engage with that younger fan, it's for the best. Um, I was actually listening to a, a hockey podcast earlier this week, and the NHL has partnered with a TikTok star. Now, this is going to make me sound really old because I have no idea who this guy was. Um, I do know what TikTok is. Uh, I'm not on it, but I at least know of it. And this guy has 25 million followers, and he's now the official TikTok partner of the NHL or something like that. Okay. He's not there to entertain generational hockey fans. He's there now talking about hockey to his 25 million followers. Right. Some of whom probably have no idea of, couldn't name a player in the NHL, but they know who this TikTok guy is. So it's, it's things like that that are going to start to build the younger fan bases back up. And, and that's, I think, the biggest thing that's going to lead to future success of the league. 
I wonder if that's like, cause the Argos kind of did that in 2019, right? Bringing in the YouTube sensation. Um, is it Diesel? Is that his name? And uh, you sound as old as me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yep. I think we're not far off, my friend. Um, you know, I, I think that there's more, you know, teams, but uh, you said the NHL is doing it as a league. Well, maybe our league is learning those types of things too. John Hodge has argued and Justin Dunk of Three Down Nation repeatedly that the one thing that the CFL lacks is connection with youth. And they're talking about like having CFL logos on youth flag teams, all that sort of stuff where everywhere you go, the CFL is represented when you're working your way through. Absolutely. And um, the uh, the Elks were doing that. They've been doing a flag football program for many, many years. Uh, when my uh, older son was six, he played in on the team and they were the, the gold team and he had, uh, but th- they had every team represented from across the league. So he actually played for the Ticats. Um, when he was, I think in his first year, um, and then they had different teams and you could be on all the different teams. And of course, you know, then they, they also had the, uh, the former name of the, the club, right? So, um, they, and they had players come out to do training sessions with these kids. You know, they always had one out of the 10 weeks or whatever it was where the, the four or five players would come out and do skills with them. My, my son still talks about that. He's 14 years old that they have to start doing that thing, but they really need to do it across the league. And I, I know we did see it at one gray cup where they did just that. They brought some flag teams from every city and, and had them play. And, uh, but yeah, you need to, you need to start reaching more kids that way that want to get out and be active, but then you're going to see these are the guys to look up to. And I think just to add on that, that the league needs to see it as not a money-making opportunity and not, you know, trying to charge minor football for the use of the likeness and, and that sort of thing. Right. And, and you see it in, in minor baseball and you see it in minor hockey that, you know, teams and, and this is based on having lived in Winnipeg, but there was the Winnipeg wild um, junior hockey program that had the Minnesota wild colors, the, the St. James blues that were the St. Louis blues colors. So you see that in, in other sports, but I don't remember seeing minor football in those situations where they are the, the tiger cats and they are the stampeders and et cetera, et cetera. They have kind of local club names and, and colors, like you said, but but not that tie-in. And, and that might be a small piece, but it's a piece that can help build from that early level. Well, the, and the minor teams that are here all have name, well, not all, mostly have names after NFL teams. Like in, in Edmonton, we have the, the North side Seahawks. We've got the Edmonton chargers, you know, like it's, they're, they're not named after CFL teams, which is what you'd kind of like to see. Right. So, although I will say, and this just came out today, the Elks were talking about uh, some of the promotions and things that they're doing this year to, they're really pushing to try and get a sellout, especially for that first home game this year. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of things for kids and supposedly every game kids under 12, they're going to, there's going to be some different concession deal. I think the first game they get a, a popcorn and a pop and it's free. Uh, the second game, there's like a hot dog and something and it's a buck. Like they're, they're, they're doing it so that you're bringing 
the whole family and they're not aiming it solely at, um, you know, the, the older generation and they're not aiming it solely at the younger generation. They're looking at, okay, there's, there's these types of deals to get the kids in the door. They're also going to have happy hour specials at the North side uh, bar that's on the North side of the field. So when you start to hear stuff like that, it's like, okay, now we're getting back to those 80s games where you wanted to go because there was there was something for everyone to be there. And then on top of it, you cheer for the team. One of the biggest detractions in a lot of businesses is the the attitude of, well, we've always done it that way. So it's yep. great to hear that the Elks are looking outside the box a little bit and I, I hope that that's what the league is going to do as well. And, uh, you know, we're not going away as fans. <laughs> We've been no. dedicated for, for many, <laughs> many years and will continue to be for many, many more. So it doesn't need to be catered to us to get us interested in the CFL. And let's hope that the league and all of the teams individually take this opportunity to really look at the whole package and how we can draw people in from everywhere. Agreed. Just to gauge the uh, heart rate in the two rooms, does it feel like Christmas now that training camps are <laughs> coming oh, open? It, it, yeah, yeah, it does. I, uh, I've i already started writing the, the night before football because that's got to come out in a few weeks. And uh, that that's our tradition on, on our show. And, and I'm... I'm just giddy. It's uh, you, you start to think about some seeing some of these names again, seeing some of these guys back out on the field, seeing the moves on the field, and and just the sounds and the smells and everything. And it's just you know, especially not having it for 18 months. I I we were talking about it on the show this week. Mike and I both know like there is we're going to bring a lot of Kleenex. There's going to be a lot of tearful moments as we remember that this is the stuff that we love. One thing that I love is actually following so many CFL players on Twitter because I've been following them right from, you know, even when they didn't know if there was going to be a season or not. And they're asking if they should be calling the rock to see if they're going to play this year uh, to now when I, I've seen them at airports, I've seen them arriving at cities, walking into the stadiums and, and not just the bombers who I follow, but I, like Cody Fajardo arrived in, in Regina and I saw his tweet and, and all this stuff. And it just continues to build and build and, to see the players excited again is very meaningful too. It's been a long haul for them. It's been insufferable for us fans and we've moaned and complained and tossed ideas around here and there, but these players haven't been able to play the game they love for an entire season. And so to see the enthusiasm from all of them wanting to get back at it has got me fired up. Absolutely. And and when you think about it, they actually in the, in the, this whole time had to keep in shape. I I didn't have that problem. <laughs> I actually did very well at not doing that, but I'm excited to be back and uh, climbing those stairs to watch the boys get after it. Take a knee halfway up if you need. Don't overdo it on the first week. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, you know what? I've heard that it's important to stretch first. That's <laughs> the. I'll be standing outside with slow stairs before we get into the stands. I don't want to wreck anything. Andrew, where can people find and follow you? 
you can, you can find uh, our show. Uh, it's just called The Turf District. You can find basically on all of our social media, it's at The Turf District. And uh, we are recording uh, Monday nights on YouTube Live. And then the audio comes out shortly after that. Uh, other than a, a quick break, just because I'm I'm, I'm moving the, the actual Turf District room, uh, we are back to uh, weekly right up until the Grey Cup. Great to catch up. Thank you, guys. It was awesome. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble podcast. Audio worth watching.